1: Hey guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabalcast. This week is part two of two in our 2023 set preview. Uh, as you know, last time, or as you may not, if you are just joining us, uh, we covered all the way through March of the Machine's Aftermath, the first half. So that mm-hmm. means Dominaria United, Brothers War, Phyrexia All Will Be One. March of the Machine and the first half of March of the Machine Aftermath. So let's get started and take it away. So
0: March of the Machine and March of the Machine Aftermath are this interesting kind of thing we've never seen before, and as such, that's how the copy reads. March of the Machine is a full standard set. It releases in Q2 of 2023, and a little bit of the copy around it reads, Ends with Magic Forever Changed. This is kind of where we expect our time heist to really kick in the possibility of bringing Planeswalkers back to what they used to be in Pseudo-Gods. And after that, we continue to see Elish Norn expand on whatever it is they're going to be doing into March in the Machine Aftermath. That again will release in Q2 2023. The copy around it says this is a rare fifth premiere set in the standard environment. We do not know how we will interact with this from a pre-release and release standpoint, what kind of product it's going to be, what else is going to be surrounding it. And the the copy says, this is not exactly a set. It's a brand new kind of thing. And I believe in the previous episode where we left it off was basically, I said, I'm really excited for this set to see what they do with these two back to back, what this new set is. And the concern I have is that this is, The kind of second set in a row that has the opportunity to break standard and a good chunk of the rest of the game because there's just going to be so much going on with artifacts and artifact themes that this has the opportunity to bring us a lot of cards that need to be reviewed it could be brand new cards like we saw in Kaladesh with vehicles. It could be a Metalcraft-style mechanic that we saw in Scars of Mirrodin that eventually got a handful of cards banned across the format. It could be things like imprint or the affinity-style keyword that we saw in Mirrodin. And this is kind of where I expect the culmination
1: of all of that to come and hit. So, your thoughts? So, I think this is, if I had to guess, uh, we're going to see something similar to Kaladesh and Amonkhet, where you had a group of sets that were just designed to be incredibly powerful. You recognize, oh man, we really pushed these sets. Maybe we should bring it back a little bit. Mm -hmm. I would think March of the Machine is probably where that's going to happen. Okay. Because the way Standard has been going, we've been getting more and more and more and more pushed. Capenna was bad, and naturally they're going to try to make sets better after that, and they have. Uh, I expect, though, based on what we've seen from Brothers War spoilers, which we'll touch on later, Mm -hmm. uh, man, they are getting real pushed with their design, not just in terms of power level of cards, but content of the set in general, which again, we'll touch on later. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think this is going to be an area where now going into spring of 2023, uh, you're going to start to see a little bit more established archetypes emerge uh in terms of design you know the theme has been for years we've been stapling sorceries and instance onto creatures starting all the way back in snapcaster yep. where they've tried to push first it was creatures and now we're pushing planeswalkers uh, because that's the driving narrative that they have is these planeswalkers and based on what we've seen out of brothers war that's probably not going to change anytime soon But we'll start to see more artifacts pushed alongside the Planeswalkers. And I think March of the Machine is where you finally have that coalescing in terms of what's going to happen to change magic. um, I mean, we've already got four decks at this point with stickers, attractions and a sideboard. I don't know what they can do to muck it up any more than they already have, but I'm sure they're damn well going to try to do what they can because it's Wizards. Of course they are. Rather, it's Hasbro. So, of course, they are. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually kind of excited to see, like, from a personal Vorthos nerd point of view, uh, exactly what's going to happen with the storyline. Okay. Uh, Because this this is the wrap-up, right? This is where Urza and whatever they do with Brothers War, because presumably they said this was all part of the same storyline. This is where Urza does whatever he's going to do, and I'm very eager to see if he maintains anti-hero status or if they try to make him a good guy, which would make me very angry. So, I mean, I guess they're going to do what they're going to do, though.
0: Yeah, the time heist kind of leads to the possibility of retconning not just planeswalkers back to their original state or more towards... The, the gods that they were in the multiverse, but the opportunity to retcon somebody like Urza. We hadn't seen that in Fate Reforged when they pulled the time heist to go yeah. back and deal with that time the Khan's timeline. Nicole Bolas never really changed. Uh, no. Ugin didn't really change. It was still continuing on. There was just great sorrow that all the the dragons had disappeared essentially. And the multiverse was forever changed. So we It's probably going to be really interesting from a lore standpoint, absolutely. And I I wonder if the commander decks are going to try and tell another part of the the storyline, which we kind of see going on with Brothers War in between recording last episode and this, we got a handful of commander spoilers, namely Urza and Mishra as their respective commanders, and their color identity is what they're trying to do. And if they continue to try and tell a story that way. That kind of provides this interesting and thought provoking way to move everything forward. And I would yep. rather see a lot of that done through the commander set than standard, because those story point cards always seem to fall flat. The they they just never seem to really do much of anything, even in limited, like from a a card quality standpoint, they're they've been pretty poop. So if you just move it over somewhere else, maybe it'll be a little bit better. Now, once we wrap up the dominaria storyline after uh what is it march is like the fifth set but not quite the fifth set we are going back to El drain with wilds of El drain in q3 2022 and there's really not a whole lot that we know about uh this set and the next ones come out in 2023 after this. There's very little copy about this. We are still going back to the storybook world of Eldraine. That is the kind of key to this plane is that it will remain a storybook style. But now it says we are venturing beyond the realms and into the wilds. And so my expectation is that things are gonna be a little more like Gruel esque You yeah. know, we did get the Wicked Wolf in Throne itself, for the that part of the story, the Red Riding Hood story, but we might get more to do with less of the monarchy, less of the royalty, and more of what actually goes on on the rest of Eldraine outside of the castle walls. And to me, I think that's going to be a little more exciting because we didn't really get to see what Eldraine offers from a, like a bestial standpoint. It was very much, here's every single piece of like storybook fiction that we could just put into one place we heard you like Grimm's fairy tales and like some of the norwegian stuff that inspired disney maybe we'll get like some of the other odds and ends that people remember from that that they associate with disney like the little mermaid which is uh i believe a scandinavian tale Mm -hmm. and some of those kinds of stories we haven't really gotten to um not like call time was one of the viking planes there was another one that's kind of like chandelar but uh, maybe we kind of see a little more of that a little more titany something a little bit bigger than what we saw in thrones and i don't think this set is like a mea culpa for Oko and brazen yeah. borrower but i think this is just an opportunity for them to look into fairy tales that are a little more gruesome we got ginger brute and some of like the hansel and gretel stuff but we never got like the original telling of that story where those kids die yeah we did not. No. And we should. There were no grizzly bears. There was no porridge. No. That's out in the wilds. And for me, I think I'm... This isn't like trite, but I, I'm hoping this is the last bite of the apple at this set. I really didn't expect we would go back because I didn't. I don't know how many more fairy tales they want to pull from and like yeah there's there's a world of fairy tales out there from all over the globe so you can keep Absolutely. pulling and a lot yeah. of localized stories and things like that from various cultures and I I think it's kind of interesting and cool to revisit them but it just feels really forced to try and like shove it all in one plane instead of trying to make it fit into these other worlds
1: yeah I I think the thing for me and you, you touched on it is you know it's it seems a little soon to go back to this one because I thought we'd you know for now uh milked it dry like there there wasn't much else we could Mm -hmm. get out of it you know we bled this fruit so to speak do we really need to go back or could we go back to Lorwyn or something yeah uh and I'd I'd almost I would expect to see a lot more influence you know being the wilds of Eldrain. we're going to get a lot more into you know maybe like Scandinavian yeah uh like pagan type mythology yeah but I don't know that that's going to be the case because they want to keep PG or whatever. Uh, but knows? we didn't even
0: get a lot of dragons, and there's a lot of dragons out that's
1: true. to float yeah. around. Like
0: you, if you want to look at uh, Kenrith as... Um, what's his face? Could we get Beowulf? Oh, God, that would be great. Um, I would love that. I can't think of his name. From, uh, the, from Knights of the Round Table, who was the... King Arthur. If you, look, Arthur, if you yeah. look at him King as King Arthur. Arthur, there's a cadre of knights, and they go out and they do different things. And some of them, entail go out and fight dragons. There is yep. the, the Merlin aspect aspect that is missing, missing. And I think that could be part of the Wilds, too. It was interesting to have a fairy tale without, like, a dragon. But maybe that's what we find out in the Wilds, is kind of the rest of it, the bigger part yeah. of this. Maybe the rest of Eldrain is a little more savage and a little larger overall and a little more aggressive... And I don't think there's really a big problem with that. I, no, I don't think so either. I think there's a lesson learned about Oko, but I don't think that's terribly applicable to this set. So all in all, I'm not unhappy we're going back, but I am not. In, I don't feel like this is inspiring me in any way to feel yeah. good or bad about this. Setting Oko aside, the rest of that set was just kind of mundane. Mm-hmm. And there's some good pieces to that set. There were some good cards, things that did work in other formats, Gilded Goose in particular, and so good. it is really good. And I think if they kind of reapply the same values, it's going to be good, but I just feel really kind of flat about that as opposed to the next set that we have on our list where we just kind of step out of standard for a hot minute.
1: Yeah. Uh, universes beyond Lord of the Rings. Yes. Uh, so this is a point that I know you and I had talked about, and I hope everyone else agrees with this. If they do not make... Rakdos, Lord of Riots, or whatever version of him as the Balrog, I am going to be so angry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm i actually excited for Lord of the Rings. Um, not because of what it represents for the game, because I think this is awful for the game, because uh, we're going to be, like, swinging with at, I don't know, like, Elsa at some point mm-hmm. at this rate. But uh, I'm actually really curious to see how they pay homage to basically the story that's the grandfather of modern fantasy for most people Mm -hmm. uh seeing lord of the rings brought into this game how they do it and i think what i am very excited for is while we have the rings of power on and there is still more hype for a new lord of the rings property does it bring new players in is this something where some new people that got into lord of the rings and were maybe curious about magic but never really took that plunge are now all of a sudden going to be like, oh, man, this is actually, like, this This isn't terrible. Maybe, maybe this is worth playing. Uh, just because then they'll have a new way in, oh, new yeah. exposure, and that's one thing that I think with everything else that Wizards of the Coast is doing to destroy magic, uh, I think that's one thing they can do that's very good. Mm-hmm. Um, because... You know this is something we'll touch on in a future episode the way insertions and everything are changing is making it very hard for lgs's so one of the only things you can do is basically find ways to bring people in and you have to yes right? you, you you can't not at this rate there is no way for you to feasibly make money without having new players come in that may not be as savvy a shopper mm-hmm. so to speak yeah um But I I think this, I'm excited for this. Uh, The Warhammer product seems to be, I mean, based on pre-sales that we've done, not super popular Uh, and very heavily allocated. Uh, I think, what was it, Uh, Game Nerds Mm -hmm. started sending out a bunch of refund notices for people that had pre-ordered Warhammer sets. So I think that'll definitely change things for the way that Lord of the Rings is gonna release. How? how do you feel about it i think there's a lot of good that goes with this set from
0: mainly from the side of things that you were discussing which is just this is a way to bring new players into the set but i don't think it's going to be through the drafted set i think that's going to be through the commander set because that's you know kind of a self-contained thing you can put a lot of your like very specific cards in there if you want to put names and locations and you want to make them dedicated to the ip It seems easier to do with the commander product and that kind of stands up on its own as a competitor to all the other terrible lotr card games that have come and gone and it should represent what is the best lotr standalone card game there is great as far as the drafted set is concerned i do think the the main set that drops straight into modern. I do think there's going to be the opportunity to do a lot of interesting and cool things, bring in a lot of interesting characters, possibly upcycle some old design space or interesting design space. You mentioned the Balrog, and we discussed like I, I said, shouldn't that card have delve? And then I, we talked about it. I gave it a little more thought. I'm like, that's the wrong card to have delve, but it is the right card to have the the same trigger as an artifact from a couple sets ago that says like whenever X card X number of cards leaves a graveyard you make some bats or like whenever yep. two cards leave a graveyard you make a bat like you could put that on the balrog where it's just a really cheap artifact that just kind of sits there until x number of cards are exiled from a graveyard in one shot and then you have here comes the balrog because you delved too deeply and greedily you know yeah that kind of thing makes sense and i think that's good play that's a good design space to work on for the main set and I really like that I really like the opportunity it also gives you the opportunity to recycle some cards like Kenrith the Return King which was only in the buy a box product so it's not the most expensive card but it's difficult to get you bring Kenrith back as Gandalf or any of the other mages that appear throughout the uh, of the White that appear throughout Tolkien's works cool you know it's an interesting way to upcycle some I, I feel necessary reprints that don't really impact yeah. modern now, that, that said, this is designed to be drafted and go straight into Modern. Along with that is the note that this set isn't focused on Modern. That is in the copy. So this is definitely going to fuck up Modern. Yeah. End the story, because that's what Modern Horizons said. They literally said, we're not here to shake up the format. We don't want to bring in new archetypes. We just want to enhance existing archetypes. Fucked up the format. And I think this is going to do that. I think there's going to be something that just screws up the format beyond belief and then we're just going to have to start hitting stuff with sticks until the format just bans stuff out until things look better. Now, the other thing that I like about this is that this is going to be released on Magic Online. Cool. And an alchemy set on Magic Arena. So whatever that means for Arena, cool. The cards will be available and that means we kind of begin the shift of opening up Modern and continuing to open up Pioneer on arena making that in time hopefully the premier product over moto so i like that so all said and told i like a lot of what's going on with this set but i do think it's going to mess up modern and that that, that is my concern And i don't know if it's going to be a, a huge screw up like modern horizons where that brought hogak and alter and urza and arkham's astrolabe and 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 end, to the format and just Blew the doors off of it, or if it's going to be something subtle, like expressive iteration that just yeah. kind of warps the format around one card, and now you have umpteen number of decks built around one card in Modern, and that yeah. same card in Legacy, and sometimes that same card in Vintage, and that I'm hoping it's more the latter than the former, but I do believe this set is going to to muck up Modern unless everything costs six.
1: Yeah, more, and more. Yeah, like, if, if they, if they poorly design the set in the right way. I agree. I agree. (laughs) Because they're going to poorly design it one way or another. Uh, Despite my excitement, it will be poorly designed in one way or another. Uh, It's just, do they poorly design it in the right way? Yes. Who knows? Who knows?
0: Uh, But those are my feelings on Lord of the Rings. And because this is our first set as a universe is beyond, that's just a a, a full set. I am excited to see how they treat it. And Tolkien's works are pretty deep. We have the Rings of Power that are just started up on amazon and they were able to extract an entire series worth of material from what i've heard is only a couple chapters worth of work that was never really meant yeah. to be something yep. um, so there's a there's a ton of grist left in the mill
1: and i'm excited to see what they choose to use yeah and they 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 have done a very good job as well of you know generally magic has done good with world building mm-hmm. throughout its history recently it hasn't been as good it's been kind of generic that's fine Tolkien was a master world builder so yes. I'm curious to see how their world building coincides with one another that that I am actually excited for but yeah we, we will see
0: yep now coming out of that in Q4 of 2023 we have another return set we are going back to Ixalan this time so I was very surprised to hear this because I thought Ixalan was kind of a flop. That was based yep. on mainly power level and the impact that set had on the format. It had a lot of great cards, but the sets on either side of it were a little too overpowering. So Ixalan basically lent like Carnage Tyrant, Vraska's Contempt, the lands, and some maybe some pirate stuff to the format. Not a whole lot. So this was yep. kind of surprising. This is, I think, more the mea culpa than Wilds of Eldraine is going to be. I think this is kind of the way... They're gonna they're doing this set in the same way they they did Kamagawa, which is we did you dirty the first time, and we want you to have a better experience, so here yeah. you go. Now the copy around this is pretty interesting. The direct quote about this set is things have changed since the disappearance of the Immortal Sun, which is the MacGuffin from that set that everybody's trying to pick up. We've seen the sea and land of Ixalan, but what lurks beneath. That's the copy for the set. That's all we have. So now it sounds like we're actually venturing into the plane itself, which I think is the first time we've actually done that. We've gone into caverns, I was thinking about this, and we've gone into, like, lava tubes and stuff, but we never ventured inside a plane. But we have hints that there are biomes inside planes. We have mainly uh, from a land base, which makes sense. We have underground sea, we have underground river. Sulfurous Springs can be above or below. We have seen gemstone mines and caverns. And we have seen, like I said, lava tubes and lava flows. I think both of those are lands themselves. Yeah. And I don't know what happens inside a plane. I assume we're not going to see any more dinosaurs or pirates because it'd be really weird. But that said, if you follow along with the Tohei universe, the Godzilla stuff is really big on Hollow Earth right now. Yep. And, like, maybe that's what Ixalan is, where you just see just... Weird giant things inside Hollow Earth that built up over time because the immortal sun was located on that plane and just powering
1: everything. Who knows? It, that's actually kind of what I expect from it. Is being lost caverns. My you know my first thought was like, oh, land of the lost, or okay, you know, yeah. Like, well, we went into a cavern in the earth, and here's all these giant things living there, and that's kind of like you know seeing more of an emphasis on you know I don't not like. Drow, obviously, because that's a Dungeons and Dragons thing, but that kind of like underworld light kind of stuff, where here's this whole other society that's been under the planet, like Hans Moleman from The Simpsons just happens to be there. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, hanging out. Like that kind of stuff is what I kind of expect. And I, I do. I also expect it to be kind of like a mea culpa of like, you know what, we didn't get a fair shake at this because, you know, Ecoria or Ixalan, rather, was like it was right after we'd had you know masterpieces that were just absolutely insane and then we got invocations and they were like oh well let's kind of get away from this and all you had was those really sick map box toppers yep. but the sales weren't there the way that they were for other products because you just had absolute heaters in those sets and it was like okay well Amenket kind of killed things because the power level was so low and Ixalan was like this dip before War of the Spark and the RTRTR mm-hmm. uh, where everything exploded. So this is, I expect, a way for them to say, like, okay, we'll we'll kinda, you know, make this right. Yeah. Carni Carney T is gonna be like our, you know, mid ground. That's not gonna be the top yeah, anymore. I, just to try to
0: I wanna remind people really quickly what this standard looked like. After Ixalan came out, both sets, came Dominaria. With Nexus of Fate. yeah, And that was the format. That was so Nexus bad. of Fate. You have to either play or beat Nexus of Fate. And that's kind of where Ixalan fell out. It had some good white aggressive creatures. Uh, Danto sure, Vanguard yeah. and some other good odd uh, load of the ground creatures. Search for Riscanto played a huge part in that format. But for the, uh, for the most part, you were using Wilderness Reclamation alongside Nexus of Fate. Alongside yeah. uh, Five Mana Teferi. And Search race and that was basically the deck. And Ixalan just kind of, like, folded under the weight of that. Prior to that was a lot of what we talked about, T. It was Vraska's Contempt. I think, Car- is it Kari Zev? Who made Ragavan. Yeah. At first, Kari Zev. Uh, Sapirity stuff. It floated through, but for the most part, like you said, it was just as a dip. I think there was also the idea of a rotational change. Yeah that happened, where amonket was supposed to restart the format. amonket low power set, step up to Ixalan, step up to Dominaria, step up to Guilds of Rout, but this was in that time where Watsu was just rapid fire changing the way Standard rotated. Yep. And so whatever rotation we ended up with put Ixalan kind of out of order for where it needed to be in that schedule.
1: Which is, you know, now that we have paper play again, mm-hmm let's try to take this theme and see it in an actual standard that we want to engage with. Yes. And that's kind of what I see coming out of this, Mm -hmm. uh, is that very solid, good, like, all right, this is, you know, we're, we're making it up to you in some way. This is going to be absolutely amazing. Like it, it, it should be good. I would think. Yes. Um, and that's, that is my hope is that we get something that's just an absolute heater of a set. Yes,
0: I, uh, I would yeah. agree. I, I, I want this set to be good. I don't think they are really going to break anything unless every green creature has hexproof, because that was why Carnage Tyrant was so good the first time around, and since then, WotC has kind of rolled back the idea that hexproof is a good keyword. So we're go- we hopefully don't end up with that but what i i want to see a lot of like load of the ground structure from this set you can have some big stuff at the top end cool you had dinosaurs on that plane it's the first time we got dinosaurs yeah and if they're there cool if they're not also fine but i want this to be the kind of aggressive set that i think they wanted it to be the first time round and that is my hope for this set is that yeah. it is like you said it's a heater it it integrates into Standard really well. It doesn't need to serve, like, 40% of the, the card base into the format and be like, here you go. F- this 40% is just going to take over the format. No, I want some solid cards more than just Search for Escanta, more yeah. than just Adanto Vanguard to enter this format. Uh, the Vraska Planeswalker, I cannot remember the name of it, was great in Limited, but flopped because it was powerless and standard compared to the other cards of it compared to the scarab god in the set before compared to five mana in the set afterwards Watleys, both of them just fell they looked yeah. really interesting the uh, selesnia one and the Boros one but yeah. just fell flat kind of terrible jake cunning castaway as we called it on the the <laughs> podcast so long ago yeah. went infinite with the Nicol Bolas that was released later but other than that the card was so weak compared to what else was around it there's no reason to be going infinite like that yeah and so i hope that this this is like you said this is a heater set that just brings a nice like missing piece to -hmm. standard and changes it maybe away from mid-range to more aggressive or maybe helps mid-range and control a little more by offering more than it did previously frasco's contempt was not a bad card by any means Carney's tyrant was a little too much. Vraska's contempt played all over the format. Search for his contact paired well with Vraska's contempt and some of the control decks going around. There. Like, that's perfectly fine. Uh, you mentioned the box topper lands. The other ones were really good. Primal amulet or whatever it is turns into Pyro Master's goggles. One of them turns into Gilded Lotus. Another one turns into Maze of Ith. They're all, there's a, the treasure one as well. Like, they're yeah. all really interesting, but they got no play be- aside from search. Yeah. Because of the uh, other sets around it.
1: And, and I, I think that's, to me, that's one of the reasons I think I'm as excited as I am about Lost Caverns of Ixalan. Mm-hmm. I think of all of the sets outside of Brothers War, Ixalan is the one I am most excited for. Because thematically, that set's awesome. Yeah. It's, it just happened to fall into the exact worst spot for a set to exist. Because Standard was bad. It was so bad then because they kept changing everything that it made it just absolutely miserable to deal with. And like it didn't get a chance to be like Pirates of Dark Water, which, by the way, check that show out. It's held up very well. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I am excited to to see what it does, because this is, you know, not that. Not that magic necessarily needs the growth, uh, but. Pirates and dinosaurs are basically a lot of people's favorite like things. People love pirates. People love dinosaurs. Yeah. I, this is a huge opportunity. I, it's another one that has the chance to do a lot for the growth of the game. Absolutely. And it makes me very excited for that reason.
0: Yeah. I have a lot of I have a, I have a lot of items on my bucket list for this set more so than any other because there's the opportunity to do so much, especially if we do just kind of tumble into the plane itself. I think there's a lot of opportunity to explore there. No pun intended. And it's all, it would also be the first time that I think we've actually gone spelunking into a plane. Yeah. And I, I think that represents a new area for the game and something interesting to do and something to keep in mind later on. There's an infinite number of planes in this multiverse and not everything happens at the top. Uh, no. Even if you go back and you read the old lore on Dominaria, there's a lot that goes on like inside the cliffs and the mountains of Dominaria. Yeah. Like Caves of Koilos is where the Thran put their sick and their dying that land yeah they had to go through their caverns inside their cliff sides inside the mountain there is a lot to the thran that happens well below the surface of the plane itself and we've never really taken the time to go explore there so overall yeah i think this is probably one of the more interesting sets that we've discussed and one of the ones that i think can offer the most to standard because it's not tied to anything like all the dominaria sets because we didn't see a whole lot of exciting things that impacted Standard the last time. We just saw a lot of, like, new space and, like, some incredibly slanted Commander cards and like, Zakama, Zatalpa, uh, Regisaur Alpha, even. Like, yeah. I think all that stuff is just kind of lost and just fell into Commander, and I think that was
1: a shame and I'm excited for the set. I think it'll be really good. Yeah. Uh, Alright, and then last thing. Yes. Uh, since we recorded... The last episode, and since we are and the time that we are now recording this one, uh, we got a little bit of an update on Brothers War mm-hmm. uh, that changes some things. Uh, Brothers War will have, as rumored, a Mystical Archive subset of retro border artifacts.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: they will also have <sighs> full-on limited serial numbered cards.
0: As part of this retro artifact thing, yeah. So I just flashed some of them, and we've seen uh, the Worm Coil engine uh, be serialized, and I think the Frexian Revoker that was flashed at PulseCon will also yeah. be serialized. I don't, I do not know much about the serialization yet. I have not looked into that.
1: Yeah, they they touched on it briefly, and basically the one that we know a a firm confirmed number. Is we for sure uh, will have um, the worm coil engine limited to 500, uh, period. Yes. Obviously, that's five times as many as we had
0: Viserysir.
1: Um, Viserysir, here. Viserys here, uh, which is, you know, fine, I guess. Yeah.
0: People yeah. keep musing on, like, okay, you increase the number, that gives you more, like, her-her-her opportunity, so do we think that's really going to increase the value on, like, 420? And I honestly don't think so. The Viserysir that I saw that's still worth the most is the first one to hit the market yep. that had Providence. Number one
1: sixty nine, whatever, just the... It It's... You still want to be the first market always. Yeah. I, yeah. it's It's like the, you know, you get some meme value out of it sure but really it doesn't make that much of a difference
0: Nope. that is that is correct uh, overall I, like this is going to these are going to be in one per per pack so you're going to find a retro artifact huh. in, yeah in every pack and over time we'll get the list these are obviously not confined to just things from the brothers war themselves so we talked about wormcoil that's from the plane of meridian lodestone golem is in this list that was yep. from lorwyn if i'm correct uh,
1: uh zendikar for lodestone zendikar or yep. world wake
0: yeah yeah yep, Zend- so zendikar block then Frexian yep. revoker is from again Mirrodin. Uh the jalom tome i believe is from dominaria yeah so i think that works out and ivory tower is from again dominaria so we're just kind of yeah. seeing this like spread there's a uh, Oh, and Howling Mine. Howling Mine is the one that's not on this list. It uses the original yeah. Mark Pool art. That's, um, I guess, just ABU though. It's been in core sets since, so who knows? Yeah. Uh, I, overall, yeah, I think the flood to market is going to be really interesting with these, considering that I don't think Time Spiral Remastered had one old frame in each pack. No, it did not. So we'll see where these land, and we'll see what goes on overall with these cards. I don't know if that's going to push sales or anything, but it was just interesting to see alongside the release of the Urza and Mishra commanders from yeah uh, their set, and alongside with Urza is the
1: card, the Mightstone and the Meekstone, or is that part uh, of the Mightstone and the Weakstone? Was, and the Weak was Stone. actually what it was. It that's was... from the main set, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, those those were the two halves that the brothers split was the Might Stone and the Weak Stone. Yeah. Meek Stone was just a random Abu artifact.
0: Oh, okay. so We got that stuff, and we know now that Urza will maintain an Esper Slant while Mishra maintains the Grixis Slant that we talked about before the cast, which has been there since Time Spiral, at least, for yeah. Mishra. And with the release of Mishra, that also pushes some odds and ends cards, like Gonti's Aether Heart. It's not an infinite combo, but it is a very narrow set of cards yeah that allows you to take infinite turns I, i i haven't read it post um so it's you basically make the copy sack and sack the copy in second main after playing or making another artifact or two to basically pump up your energy production yeah so it is not the most um straightforward way to take infinite turns. It does involve energy, so if you want to play Grixis energy and give yourself a little bit of a boost that way, it is definitely something you could be doing. You could also just be playing um Time sieve. Time sieve? Oh no, sorry. This is with Mishra. You can't be playing Time sieve. You have to do with uh, you have to Time C with Urza. So, yeah. Each each brother now has a way to take infinite turns in some roundabout fashion.
1: Yeah. Some convoluted casual EDH way that players are going to love because they love convoluted casual combos. There it is. Yeah.
0: Yep. So that was kind of an interesting one. Also they brought back Misha's Foundry. Yeah. Or oh, sorry, they printed Misha's Foundry, which is like a fixed uh Urza's. It's very yeah. clear how to play this card compared to the other one and how assembly workers work. So all that in like the four days between recording these episodes. So that that was interesting to come back to Yay. I know, right? If you are ready to discuss some of our picks, though, I am ready. Yes, let's do it. Okay. So for you, you decided
1: to pick. I went with something a little bit thematic here. Uh, I am going for Joyra, Weatherlight, Captain, specifically the set foils from this card. So this card does one thing, and it does it fairly well. Yep uh in is it colors which is relevant uh it cares about casting historic spells artifacts legendaries and sagas you draw a card every time you do um this seems pretty relevant considering the last two episodes what are all of these sets themed around planeswalkers artifacts Artifacts. and of course Probably sagas at some point. Well, Planeswalkers are legendary and artifacts are artifacts. Mm-hmm. So you're going to be drawing a lot of cards off of this. Uh, now, the it it has started spiking a little bit as Brothers War spoilers have started. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had the foil was at about, well, the non-foil was at about $2. It's now at 5 The interesting thing, and this is why I picked the foil, is the foil has maintained, it stayed relatively static at $10. Uh, I think that this is something that is going to spike because over the next year, we're getting a bunch of artifacts that is super relevant for EDH. On EDH rec, this is a top 100 commander. Yep. Uh, It also does this really nice thing that I like where it straddles the line between CEDH Mm -hmm. and regular EDH. And I think that is incredibly relevant because having those two as a cross point for this card, means there's a lot of potential exposure there. Because CEDH doesn't necessarily always stick to EDH rec. Casual EDH also doesn't always stick to EDH rec. You get your invisibles in here. Mm -hmm. So this is something that in terms of quantity, I'm looking at about four to eight. And the reason being is because this is a commander, so you never need more than one. Also it's EDH, so you really don't need more than one. And this is a card that I think is much better served as the one rather than inside of the 99. So I wouldn't want to go too deep on this. I've got got five myself. Timeline-wise, this is a wait and see over the next year. Okay. Uh, But I don't think there isn't a point over the next year where all of a sudden this is worth money and we want to get out of this card. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, It's not something you can profitably buy list right now. We're looking at about a $6 buy list on Card Kingdom for foils, I think it was, last I checked. But this is definitely something that you can play a wait-and-see game with. Okay. Because, I mean, this card was a $50 foil when it first came out. Uh, And then it spiked a little bit, you know, heading into a quarry to like $15. Sure, we had a promo pack version, we had a pre-release version, and we had the set version. I'm going set because it's the most liquid. But I definitely think, based on what we see, because there's already infinite combos with this card and Words of Wind, where Soul Ring and Mana Vault just bounce each other for infinite mana, uh, I think there is going to be something we see that makes this card absolutely busted. And even if not, just having more historic stuff to play with. Incidentally, I expect this card to go up sometime in the next year.
0: Yeah. You had this pick set up well ahead of time, and while well ahead of the the Brothers 4 spoilers. So anything yeah. that comes out in that Mishra deck that is Grixis-based pushes this card either as a, a general itself or into the 99 of that deck and helps extend the reach of this card, which I think could be important for the pick overall. Uh, it, this just seems like a great card to look at right now, uh, much like Kethis heading into these last couple sets. Like Anything that deals with legends or historic cards yeah, just seemed like really easy looks um i think uh from a quantity standpoint 48 seems fine i think moving in on non-foils as well if we take a look at the the stock's graphs just because they've you know as expected from what we just talked about yeah yep gone up and up and up there is a spike a retrace and now we're headed back up at a better slope than the last time but i expect that to keep climbing as well so i think the if you don't want to if you want to go deeper and you want to spend the same amount of money i think the foil is a good place to look or the non-foil is a good yeah. place oh, to, for sure. yeah. to look as well, yeah. And I, I think this kind of rounds out our like Dominaria block picks really well. Yeah. Um, for me, I'm also sticking with the historic side of things from a spell standpoint. I was right. Uh, I'm well. I'm looking at Cauldra complete. Uh, and if you interesting, yeah, okay. If you if you caught spell check on me this week, uh, Google definitely got the better of me because. It doesn't like how uh, we complete things in Magic. And it's just been a rope. It's been a, a, a $4.50 rope for, you know, essentially it, its life. There was the initial hype when it hit for Modern. Then Stoneblade decks uh, started immediately playing Hammers instead of Swords. And yep. bloop, there it goes. It just kind of falls off. As far as Commander is concerned, it fits exactly where you think. And that's kind of why we're looking at this. So I added this to my list on yep. October Uh, first so a little over a year ago 2021 ck was buying 53 at 450 tcg had 324 listings at 677 and since then uh, when i picked this card kingdom up their buy quantity to 90 at 450 and right now it looks like somebody kind of began fulfilling it they're buying 80 at about 440 which makes sense so why are we looking at this kind of rope well This card is highly playable in any deck that wants to modify creatures with a late-game piece of equipment, and I kind of want to highlight the word modify there because we just got what is it uh, Kamigawa that discusses the modification of creatures and equipment counts as modification. So there's kind of a brand new world that I think people are still trying to explore, but right now they're just kind of stuck with the same old commanders. So there's opportunity in the future for people to come back and look at this card. Yeah. Now... Uh, the format on the whole, this is mainly locked into equipment decks. Like I said, it is found exactly where you would expect it to be. And those decks are helmed by all levels of competitive commanders from something lower-powered like Dalakos, which is the is it general that says basically you get mana but can only spend it on artifacts. I'll bring it up on Rec really quick. There is Dalakos. Uh, add double colorless, spend this mana only to cast artifact spells or activate abilities of artifacts. Equipped creatures you control have flying and haste. Yeah, interesting. Or more aggressive commanders like Arden, which was right next to it, but also all over wreck because Arden has partners, so Arden just goes all over the place. And Arden is just an equipment vacuum. At the beginning of combat on your turn, you may attach any number of auras and equipment you control to target permanent or player. So yeah, you just vacuum up all your equipment and put them all on another one of your creatures. Now, obviously, this is not a competitive piece of equipment within the commander format because you would rather be playing Jite or any number of swords ahead of this to end the game quickly. It's big, it's over the top, and it allows for some uh, well-hatted creatures and interesting combat scenarios. So, if you wanted to play something a little lower-powered and you wanted to look at, let's say, start with, let's say, the Cat Precon from a couple of years ago, the Selesny equipment deck, that is a deck that really just wants to put a lot of hats. On one cat and they are not the coolest looking hats they're just they're all hats but they're not great hats and it just wants to kind of play this like longer game it doesn't want to just like ace one person at a time but it does create interesting combat scenarios this card because of the ex the exile uh, trigger on it so it looks like this is more tuned towards decks that want to go very tall like I said rather than wide and yeah, I kind of like that. I like that we yeah. want to play a more interesting game rather than end it. Yeah, sure, you can play Isomaro Hound of Konda. You could play Arden and just end the game quickly, but if you want to have a longer, more enjoyable game and continue to play Equipment Deck at your table, this is something that kind of helps you do that because it takes longer. So Equipment with Living Weapon also has an interesting place in the format as it can allow some decks to be a little creature light if they so desire or just rebuild from nowhere. And there aren't that many pieces of Equipment with Living Weapon that are great commander you still have batter skull you have caldera complete you have bone horde i think mortar pod is rancid we have nettle cyst which is a card that i discussed earlier and that's basically it there are definitely more living weapons but they are not good enough to go on these decks they're just not powerful enough for commander and i think that uh, lends a little bit of power to this card now According to REC, this is in 30% of all decks that are submitted with the equipment tag. And while I do think this helps to float the price, a large part of this float is actually constructed. That's yeah. modern and that's legacy. And so I did mention that the initial dip was because stone blade decks moved away from this, picked up hammers, which is true. But Death and Taxes was not a deck then, it's still not a pop, but it is now. It's not a very popular deck, but it does play this. In Legacy, the Stoneblade decks do play this, so they don't exist that much. However, Death and Taxes, a fairly popular deck there, does play this, I believe, with the Orion or without. You can reset the Living Weapon on it, trigger with the Orion, So it allows you to play a, lar- a, a longer game. So right now, this rope is basically because Constructed won't let it fall any further. And I think in time is where we wanna look. We wanna to look to the future on this card. So the timeline on this. Market price dropped since I've been watching this. list price has been solid, which I like, knowing that list quantity has risen, which means there is a market for this card, but that market is not willing to pay a higher price just yet. There is going to be a short window where there is opportunity for arbitrage from TCG player to card kingdom before market price trends past list price. And if that slope maintains constant, I believe we'll be able to move our entire quantity to buy list in about three months. So moving out of profit and trade will happen within the next few weeks. Buy is in a couple of months. So that's really what we're waiting on is for these low hanging fruit on TCG player to disappear. And now people move to Card Kingdom to buy their copies because TCG player is more expensive than Card Kingdom. And we see that kind of stepwise action, like we talk about every now and again. Now, according to TCG Player sales data, there are approximately 300 copies sold per month with an average order quantity just over one, which is correct regardless of who's playing it. Yeah. One, that's all you need. You don't need the second one. Any Stoneblade deck is only playing one of every equipment. They'll play multiple swords, different types. There are over 940 orders. Nine orders were for four or more, and the largest quantity was eight. So, 940 in about 3 months total orders. 9 orders were for four or more and the largest quantity ordered was 8, which means the rest of the sales just dragged down that average. These are probably people looking to restock binders or restock storefronts. So, we're looking mainly at player demand, not store or backpacker restocks because again, only 9 of those 940 orders were for more than were for more than 4. And that's kind of where we want to be. We want player demand. We don't really want like Store demands to push this. We don't want somebody coming in and just buying out all of our quantity. That yeah. basically would represent a spike in this scenario, since almost everybody that's listing them has one. <clears throat> and then as soon as a ton of this disappears, we're going to see a spike that might not be sustainable. That's why we don't really want a spike. We want that nice slope that we talked about. We want a we want gradual growth. We want sustained growth. Yeah. As far as reprint quantity is concerned, I was actually very worried with the Dominaria sets coming up, but we didn't talk about this in either episode. But I mentioned Living Weapon before, I was pretty sure we weren't going to get it, and that was actually my worry. So I'm uncertain if we'll still see this within the next few Dominaria sets. As we see Planeswalkers and various main characters become completed, Cauldra itself is tied to Mirrodin, but maybe we do see, as we step through this time heist, a, a plan- uh, Mirrodin again, and we see Caldera, that big like entity that was brought through all three original mirroriden sets become completed. I, yeah I do not know. I wouldn't expect this to appear again, but it is a thought. Now I don't think that's gonna do a whole lot to the price. I think it's just gonna that would just drag out our timeline. I don't think it's gonna crush the price or anything if it does happen. but that yeah. is something we have to be kind of cognizant of. Now this is not a great card to play towards in limited meaning you know oh I'm gonna hit seven mana and cast my caldera complete and win the game no I think nettleyst is much better on curve and a better play in front of it so when they are evaluating what to bring in with living weapon if they do decide to bring that keyword back you have to look at the scale of cards to bring yeah. in and I think caldera complete is well well off the scale it just takes too much batter skull is a lot more approachable and does a lot more once on the battlefield than caldera complete does at its mana value prior to that you have some of the weird ones that I mentioned like mortar pod that is actually really good and limited bone horde is absolutely rancid so there's a lot of choices to be made and i believe that anything that will lead them to choose what living weapons to bring back has to weigh into limited and so that kind of kicks caldera complete out so we if we are sorry if we were to see another equipment-based commander pre-con which i don't think we are here might be in the future i wouldn't expect this to see a reprint over commander's plate either I think we see something like Commander's Plate or something else with that ilk. I don't think we get Caldera complete in here. I don't think it fits anywhere unless we get like another Nahiri style thing. There's also like Hammer of Nizan and all this other stuff that I think is a little more prudent to reprint, a little more interesting to reprint than Caldera. There's just a lot of like unique bullet-pointed negatives against this that don't kind of flow as a great set of ideas, but it's just like here's a egg, here's a neg, here's a egg, here's a an neg. An an and I just don't think we're going to see this because living weapon is difficult to deal with. It is not the greatest living weapon. There are better ones to put in front of it. And as far as Commander products are concerned, there are m- more prudent pieces of equipment that need to go in these decks rather than Caldera Complete. Yeah. So, all said and told, I really don't think we're going to see a reprint in any of the Dominaria sets. But who knows with uh, Aftermath? It's not quite a set, and we don't know how we're going to engage with it yet. So, question mark. By quantity, I have my set for Modern and Commander-based play, so that's two. Um yeah. and buy that I bought shortly after release and I'd feel much more comfortable spending that almost eighty dollars again to hold on to these for commander trades in time than outing to and outing them to modern players than I did back then. I was very worried that what I was spending was over the top and I was gonna get hoisted by it, and lo and behold, I definitely was, having to spend like the eighty on the two that I needed with immediacy. Eighty dollars now is a lot more palatable on this card, because you can pick up close to 20 of them, and trade them out to modern players, legacy players, and commander players over time. And like I said, there's an immediate ar- arbitrage opportunity coming up, so it makes it a lot more palatable to buy a larger quantity to be able to sell them later to ensure you make your margins.
1: I think the for me, I'm actually I'm way less concerned about living weapon after living metal got spoiled. Okay. With the Brothers War stuff, with the Transformers. Because to me, if you're going to, if one of those things is going to happen, mm-hmm. right, you you only do it once. It's not your one-trick pony if you're going to make it thematic to the set. Yeah. Uh, not to mention, you know, we're not going back to Mirrodin where Cauldra is from. So I, I don't think there's as much concern for me there on that end. Uh, I think quantity-wise, you're right. I, everybody wants one. Uh, and this is something that, unlike a lot of the other living weapons, actually does just end the game on its own.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, so I know obviously we've gone back towards you know sort of fire and ice and batter skull stuff like that and modern, uh, but it's definitely when the meta shifts again. I could definitely see a legacy and a modern meta where all of a sudden I do care way more about the presence of you know, having the ability to have Cauldre complete there to end games. Yes. And I think that that's something that... I mean, there's a lot of keywords on that card. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's keyword Uh, soup. And all of them end the game. Mm -hmm. Every single one ends the game. And I think that's where it's very crucial to, like, understand what you're getting into is, like, okay, this is something that like you said it's kind of like the longer game with it yeah where there is an arbitrage opportunity coming up but we're fine holding on to it because again like like you said 80 bucks on 10 of these is fine you know i i spent 80 bucks on i i've spent more than 80 bucks on sarkins unsealing, so obviously this has a way better chance than sarkins unsealing does But yeah, I I think it's solid, definitely.
0: Yeah, the the one thing to look out for with both Modern and Legacy is, like, Solitude is a hell of a card. And it's not quite Yorion and Omnath that are holding this card down and change the format. No. Uh, This card is difficult to play with Solitude because you can still target the germ. So you have to make sure that you can move this around. And we did see this come out of the sideboard in Hammer Time decks because Hammer Time has the ability to move this around for free. Stone Blade decks can definitely go along and move this around. Ask me how I know. And that allows you to play around and through Solitudes. But if the format isn't in such a place where Stone Blade decks can do that, where Death and Taxes can reliably do that, though we're not going to see those decks in this card like rightfully pick up. It's just constructed right now as floating this card at 450. If either of those formats change become more hospitable to this like you're saying then i think Instructed pushes this card up as well because more people are going to look to pick it up than just the commander players yeah that we're hoping for right now and that's kind of where what i'm hoping happens with both modern and legacy in time is that formats continue to shift and these kind of mid-range decks have the opportunity to go a little bit longer because they have the tools to better play around or play through multiple solid tr- solitude triggers
1: yeah and i think that's super important and mm. i i think it also touches on the reality that uh you know i'm gonna cite birthing pod here which i know you'll love uh <laughs> good card it, it's a great card uh it should be unbanned but it's fair and balanced magic it is it fell prey to the whims of the format like solitude and fury yeah uh but hopefully not going to be the case forever free it along with splinter twin please
0: Moderns a turn three format barthing pod cannot win on turn three sure can't even if you're playing kiki with all the weird ticky tacky
1: yeah every every piece of interaction you could need for kiki doesn't matter it's still not going to happen
0: yeah but i think that's going to be it for this week we'll be back next week to discuss some more magic finance Mm-hmm. And until then, we are at MTG Cabalcast on Twitter, Patreon, Facebook, and YouTube. If they want to reach out to you, where can they hit you?
1: Thirsty Sizzler.
0: On Twitter. And I am at halt, i am Reptar on Twitter. And we will see you next week.